Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to Financial Coaches Network podcast. Emily, what are we talking about this week? This week, we are going to do kind of a, a dive into how to find your niche when you're really kind of not really sure where you want to go with your niche. And we have a launch member who I spoke with, oh gosh, it was over a month ago now. And she was like, I really just not sure what to pick. And we thought, well, let's, let's just have a conversation uh, with Josh because Josh is the one that helps me pick my niche. And let's go ahead and do that live so everybody can benefit from this idea of what do I have to think about when I'm trying to figure out my niche? So with that, we have our guest, our guest here, which is Jackie, and um, she's a launch member. And oh, Josh, do you want to start with the sure, question? I'll, I'll start with some very simple questions. So Jackie, do you want to just give us a quick 30 second overview of like where you are and, you know, what your thoughts are? <laughs> I'm stuck, Josh. I'm stuck. Launch is wonderful. I'll just say that for anybody that has not joined, you ought to, because it's a lot of information. But as I was going through the process, which I started last December, I think that's how stuck I am. And I just kind of hit the skids and said, ah, I'm finding the niche. And that is kind of where I don't know what I want to do. And I'll give you a little bit of background. So I work in the nonprofit sector. I have a full-time job. And so I work in the nonprofit housing sector and do housing counseling, financial coaching capabilities, things for the low and resource folks that we dealt with. And as I was ventured through this for many, many years, I've seen the, the need that I thought, well, why can't I do this on my own in a part-time gig, if you will, as I move forward with thinking about my future. So that's kind of where, and then because I've worked with low resource people who don't necessarily have the funds to pay, I thought I need to find a group of people that could pay for this. And so that's kind of where everything kind of came to a crashing halt for me. I just am stuck. Okay. So I'm going to paraphrase what I inferred, and I want you to tell me where I'm wrong. Okay. okay. And for all financial coaches out there, I want you to be pay very close attention to how I said that. I gave permission to tell me where I'm wrong. And it's very important whenever you're talking with a client that you give that permission because otherwise they're afraid of like correcting you, right? That's, yeah. Okay, so what I heard was that you've got sort of this potential niche, right? Not really well-defined yet of the types of people that you work with in your nonprofit world. And that is sort of your heartstrings Type yes. need, but there's also there, but then there's the, but how do I make that profitable on the other side? Right. Yes. And um, so I just want to start with is that a good 
characterization of, of why you're stuck. We've got the heartstrings versus the financial profit side of you. Right. I mean, if I do this on a personal level, then you've got to cover the cost. As, as yeah. I've set up the business and all that, it's like, who's going to pay for it? That kind of thing. Yes, it's definitely my purpose-driven life is all about the nonprofit side of things. Yeah. yeah. Full time. Yeah. Okay. Full time. So, um, the, so we've got two ways of solving that. Okay. And this is not to say that you have two niches to choose from. It's just that we have two paths that we can go down. And those paths may take us to a ton of different niches. They might also take us to some of the same, right? There might be some overlap between these paths, right? Um, but I want to start with just talking about those two paths that we can solve that. Okay. The first path is kind of the path that you're on. Uh, you work for a nonprofit, you work full time. I'm assuming that you're not donating 40 hours a week to the nonprofit, right? Okay. So they're giving you money somehow, and they're yeah. highly likely not getting it from the people that you're serving, right? Right. So where are they getting that money from? So we have a lot of grant funds come in to support the different programs. Uh, the, they pay a small portion, like minimal. Yeah. Minimal. That just may, maybe covers the credit report. Maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And, and we have funders. Yeah. Okay. So that's one of the ways is you creating a structure similar to that where outside donors come in and, and pay for it. Now, you know, they, they, there is a challenge to that, right? Which is yes, now you're competing with all the same grants with your current organization. You've got a whole nonprofit structure to maintain, um, right? There's a lot more work associated with that, right? Yes. Um, but that's a path that we can go down and we can explore. And it doesn't have to be you start a nonprofit, but we'll just kind of say that the nonprofit route is is one way, right? And the other way that we go is we say um, you're going to pull back from the nonprofit and move toward working with a different group of people. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on those two paths of walking away from the groups of people that you're currently helping and choosing a different group of people you're helping? versus going toward the non going in that nonprofit path that you're already on right which so i'm not leaving the nonprofit side because this will be a part-time after hour what have you so i'll still do that work okay. so i would really the path will change for the private world because it's exhausting on the other side and i have to do that all day five days a week plus so yeah different path okay That's so so with that in mind, then that kind of solves itself, which is your work at the nonprofit. That's what fulfills that purpose and those heartstrings, right? Mm -hmm. And the side business, um, what we want to look at that now what we want to look at is who is going to be part of that side business. And we know that we can eliminate anyone that goes to the nonprofit right yes 
Okay. So with that in mind, are there any groups of people that would not be able to avail themselves of the nonprofit services or any nonprofit services that you'd be interested in exploring? That gets a little tricky. So, cause we pretty much open the doors to anybody. Uh, so I don't know that there's a, a group that we would exclude that could come over to the other side. I don't think there is really at this point anyway. Well, let me, uh, I'm going to make some statements about my family and you're going to make some assumptions and just go with those assumptions. All right. All right. My wife is a partner at a law firm. I own multiple businesses and I'm a tenured professor. Do you think my family would be able to avail ourselves of the services of the nonprofit? Depending on your situation, it gets a little, we're in the housing world. And when there was a crash, we had many professionals who were impacted by the crash and they availed themselves of our services. And right, because their, income, because their income dropped, right? Absolutely. So if yeah. somebody was fully resourced, if you will, um, I don't foresee them coming to us because they, they don't see their, they don't look at needing nonprofit assistance, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It's a very nebulous world. So they're right there. You've just identified a potential market. Okay. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Which are people that need this help, but they don't see themselves as the type of people that would need nonprofit services. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right. Right. Okay. And um, so now we've got, now we want to define that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But in that statement that you said, that is a very specific group, right? We want to define it more, narrow it down more, right? Get niche, niche weird, right? Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, you've got a group of people that have, you've already identified, yeah, they have a need for the services, but they wouldn't reach out to a nonprofit because, as you said, they're resourced. And so possibly there's an ego thing possibly there's a fear things possibly there's a stigma thing possibly there's a i don't qualify thing right there's all sorts of reasons why they wouldn't do it right agree um and so but it may feel more comfortable reaching out to a business that they're paying because i hire lawyers i hire accountants i hire you know financial advisors i hire doctors that's me demonstrating my success that I'm able to hire those things. So I'm just hiring this one other type of person, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that that should be your niche, but you just identified an interesting one, right? May I ask a question? Absolutely. I love questions. Yeah. I'm trying to understand. So it's the people that don't see themselves, you're saying, needing the services of a nonprofit, which is a very huge group. So we're not weirdly specific yet. Not yet. But okay. but we're we're walking down a path based on that that statement that you said based on your experiences at the nonprofit. Right. 
Okay. Now the, the let's talk a little bit about the aspects of the work that you do at the nonprofit that you really enjoy. Okay. I, don't mean, I don't mean helping people. I mean, like, what specifically do you really enjoy? Oh, boy. So I'm the director of the agency. So I, my hands are in everything. We build. We do all kinds of stuff. But I, I, um, I do like helping the people become successful because mm-hmm. when they acquire a home or because I'm also a real estate broker, so I have to deal with the folks that don't nobody wants to deal with right their commission base and so because i'm salaried i get to do all those things but it's exciting for me i love for them to be able to achieve something they never thought they'd get to do so that's the most probably the the most fun i have doing that work the rest of stuff the minutiae of the day-to-day is uh, but you got to do it yeah okay and what is the stuff that you wish you could do, but you're not able to do it through the nonprofit? Are there things that you see on the outskirts of that horizon of what you do with the nonprofit? You say, oh, I wish I could incorporate this, or I wish I could do this, but it's not part of what we do as a profit. It's not part of our mission. Well, I'm trying to make part of the mission because I think that's where I moved into this world we got my afc certification because i felt that a lot of the financial programs in the nonprofit world were sorely lacking and so a lot of those folks didn't get they got the very basics and they never helped people move off the dime if you will they just never helped people move forward so that's why i thought i want to see this better so that's kind of where and then once i got that certification and some other stuff, I thought, well, I need to do this on my own as well. So I don't know. That's convoluted, but um, giving people more than what just the basics, if you will. Okay. Okay. Do you feel like when people finish with the nonprofit, like there's more you could give them? Or so, so old school, I've been around a long time. So, you know, you can tell. Um, So it was just very basic. It used to be more about crisis counseling or we tell them what to do. You know, here's how you get a house. Here's how you clean your credit, this blah, blah, blah. And now it's more about goal or, you know, what are your goals? How do you want to reach those goals? How can we help you and support you and help hold you accountable? While also missing some of the, the minefields that are out there. Like yesterday, for example, somebody turned in, they bought, went and bought a car out of when we were trying to buy a house and they had a 10% interest rate. And I'm like, Hey, yeah, yeah. We're trying to figure this out for giving them that quality education they need that they're lacking. There's a lots of folks. And I, this is probably universal. Lots of people didn't get a good financial education. So part of that piece is just helping people become educated and feeling self-assured and then moving forward. So. We have a lot of moms, single moms that come through. And I think this could, again, be across the spectrum that just don't have the confidence that they can be successful. So helping them identify their goals, which they tell us what they want. So this is kind of where I'd like to go. That's kind of my thoughts. Okay. Way more than yet. No, that's great. That's great. If you could only 
work with one very specific type of person, what type of person would that be? I do think I want somebody that would want to be on the other side of the table, if you will, that is motivated to move forward and get off, make a change, if you will. So and I do enjoy working with single moms or even moms and families. I do that, especially just starting out, trying to figure it out. Okay. And starting to get a picture. Oh, good. I yeah. have no picture. Yeah. And I'm seeing it kind of come together too. So it's, I love working with Josh because this is the kind of <laughs> cool thing that come out of it. <laughs> Why do you like working with single moms? And it could be, I think it's just, I'd like them to become successful when they don't think they have a lot to offer, if you will. So it's just building the confidence up, helping them get forward, move forward, do whatever they choose to do. I, um, I raised my daughter to be independent, but she's married and raising young kids. And I love that. But she's but I seen a lot of young women not feel empowered to do things financially or otherwise. Yeah. What types of things cause that? So what types of things cause the single mom to feel that way? I think some got didn't get great education or their family situation didn't empower them those kind of things to me don't know all that other reasons but those would be the big ones families lack of support they didn't get a good education so that they could be financially successful so they and this goes back to my resourced low resource people you know they don't have the resources and they're just they do a wonderful job managing the little m- amount of money they have, but that nobody tells them how great a job they're doing. So yeah. then they lose confidence. But it, I think that could play across other, other economic groups. groups. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about the picture that I saw, kind of created out of the things that you said. Okay. Um. And Emily, you tell me if you are seeing a similar picture. Uh, and, and this is, I think this is important because I want everyone, both you, Jackie, but also everyone listening to this on the assumption that Emily is going to have a very similar picture to me. Um, this was not me coming up with something. This was you painting that and me just taking a step back and seeing what all those little dots in the pointillism looks like when you take a step back. Right. Okay. Um, so a, a, I'm going to give you a story of a person and this person uh, hits basically that their story hits, their story all hits. elements that you just described. Okay. Right. So we've got a family. The family, the parents go through a divorce and either they lose their house, right? They have to sell the house in the divorce, or we identify that the house is not, is too big for the new size of the family, right? We don't need a three-car garage anymore, so on and so forth. And so changing houses or getting a new house, right? is 
one of the things that needs to happen. The divorce has left the person with a not really understanding. Can they go? Not, I'm not even going to say understanding, not really feeling confident in their abilities mm-hmm. to manage this new financial reality, right? At the same time, there is a certain level of resource available, right? We've got the assets from the divorce. We've got the, um, we've got uh, uh, child support because we're talking about a single mom. We have potentially spousal support, right? Uh, plus whatever income that the mom is earning, right? At the same time, it's a very different financial situation than before, right? Um, and so they are looking at kind of rebuilding their financial management with a goal toward getting into a house that's appropriate for the new family. Yes. How does that feel? I've seen it a lot. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Emily, how close was that to what you were seeing in your picture when, when she was describing stuff? See, I didn't assume that there was a marriage and a divorce. I I um, went straight to the potential single mom that maybe never got married, right? That yeah, could have been a boyfriend or whatever, whatever it could have been a long term partner. But and I don't know if you see those two or if that's more closer to what you would. But I was picturing even the the, the mom that maybe is well educated but is underemployed and is having a hard time getting a job because she's taking care of her kids and kids are first because it's a mama bear. And, um, and so finding that job that allows her to have that work-life balance is really difficult. So we pictured two very wonderful. That's the wonderful thing about art. You step back and you can see the same thing, but slight differences. Yeah. But I don't know who you relate more to. And that could be something to think about. Um, Not necessarily relate to, but, but who you, so there's there's a relatability thing. There's also as you explore these two options, right? But there's others that we could have seen from that picture that you painted, right? But as you explore them, also think about which one is going to have the more likely resources to uh, to pay, right? Um, now, part of the reason why I saw the picture the way that I saw it is because I'm thinking about it from a business perspective as well, right? The single mom that got is single because of a divorce has just hired an attorney. So they are in the mental mode of hiring professionals for helping them transition, right? The single mom, the one that just got divorced um, had a triggering event that we can identify a divorce, right? So we can advertise to it. We can promote to it. We can talk about that triggering event that's highly relatable to them, right? Um, And the one that just got divorced also has a new financial situation with some level of resource. Now, people's divorces have different levels of resources, right? Um, But there is some level of resource that we're talking about here, right? And so from a business perspective, um, there is an advantage to the recent divorce from the ability of um, it, not to say that the other one isn't doable. The other one is absolutely doable. The divorce just makes things easier. 
which is a weird thing to say. Most people never say that, right? Divorce makes things easier, but in this case, it does for the business, right? Um, and so I would, I would say, which one? Absolutely, what Emily asked, which one are you drawn to more? But also, um, make sure that you're thinking about what are the business implications of that choice, because part of this needs to be a personal sense of purpose. But part of this also needs to be a business sense of sustainability, mm-hmm. right? Right. That's the the second step, essentially, of the right the process. There's yeah. the brainstorming, and this doesn't. It's not narrowed just down to these two. These are just the two that we heard, right? Yeah. Or p- the picture we painted. But I mean, I know when. Um, is, is it appropriate for me to share my story of my yeah. brainstorming session? So, yeah. um, as part of launch, one of the things that is one of the instructions is to do a brainstorming session around your niche. And I remember sitting down and I don't know how long I spent. It was probably longer than I should have, but that's, that's me. And I just basically just typed and you can write it out however you want to do it. But I just basically just brain dumped like all my different ideas. And I originally was thinking I was going to work with local people. And then I was like, but I'm also kind of interested in the military. And I started kind of just truly just brain dumping all my different ideas and going as far as saying, people who have lost a limb potentially, right? Because that's that weird niche specific, right? Very weirdly. And that's what Josh wanted us to do. And so I went down that road, thought about it. Well, I can't relate to them. I've never experienced that. I don't know anybody who's experienced that personally. And so like, for me, I decided not to do that because I thought it would be harder for the research side for me, but definitely a very valid niche. Um, but, But that's that first step of the brainstorming of just basically dumping all your ideas. And then the second step is to say, okay, now take all those ideas and evaluate them based on these criteria. Can you film a business around that niche is really what um, the important part is. And that's how I ended up where I am with my, my niche. And Josh helped me figure it out <laughs> through a session just like this, but it wasn't live. <laughs> so we're where you are, right, in this what are your thoughts on all of this? Where, where, what do you want to push back on? Oh, no pushback. I was just thinking about brain dump stuff, but then I was thinking, then I've got to figure out where to research to figure out that market, if you will. So part of the research that y'all talk about doing in launch is you'll know, find all the stuff. So I'm sure there's lots on divorced women, I'm sure, or divorced moms. I'm just, it's rattling through my head right now. The research will come, right? So when you, once you pick the niche and you start the research, you may get down the road and say, you know what, this isn't going to work. You might have to circle back. Um, but, but you'll know relatively quickly if you're going to find some information on what. So you don't actually have to pick something you, that you know will be easy. You could try something if you want to first. And then come back and say, you know what, that's just not going to work. I can't find the right information for that. Although to assuage your worries, there is tons of research on divorce moms, on the financial impacts of divorce, on the causes of disparity between men and women after divorce. There's there's tons of stuff out there. It is an extremely, extremely well-researched topic. Um, You know, I've had... And lots of people in launch have gone through this. Garrett talks about, you know, he couldn't find any research. And then 
he started to find like one or two pieces of research and then he found like 50,000 in the next month, right? Um, and I've had tons of students that have had that same experience, like three years after the class, they'll like send me a message. Oh my God, I found all this research. Where was all this stuff hiding, right? The, you know, it, it's once you kind of crack the code on it, everything just opens up. So there's going to be a ton of research on this particular group. Um, there's a ton of research on single moms, on never wed single moms, on right all sorts of things. And that's any group that's out there. Um, there's a ton of research on them. It's just a matter of figuring out how to find that research for that group. And then once you figure it out, finding the research becomes easy. Um, but psychology journals, there's the, you know all the stuff in launch that talks about those pieces of information is going to give you, okay, that's where I start my search. And um, you know it's kind of like when you um, you've never seen a car before. And then you start thinking about buying it. And all of a sudden, every fourth person that you see is driving that car. Right. Um, you know, you'll, you'll go to the to the research library, whether it's the public library or the university or college library in your town. And you'll spend hours trying to find it. And then one day you'll come back to it. And all of a sudden, all the research studies they've uploaded them into the databases, right? The research studies from like 30 years ago, they just uploaded them one day randomly, right? Um, and it's just, you you figured out what you need to use, what wording you need to use in order to find it all, right? Yeah, so. it's the wording. And then, and come to office hours and have, if you're not in a mastermind, get in a mastermind because I know when we went through it, our mastermind was great at saying, hey, this worked for me or this worked for me. And it really helped each other with the research side of really knowing how to, how to find those little, those little nuggets. Cause they are out there. It's just, yeah. and you might have to spend a few hours before you find that first, that first one. Or a few weeks. Okay. Or a few weeks in some cases. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. What else can we help you with in the last couple of minutes? So I've gotten my certificate, my AFC out of the way, and I'm a certified money coach, whatever. I was thinking about, this is just me. The, the whole financial therapy world, mm -hmm. which kind of dovetails into a lot of this stuff, but I don't want to do therapy. That happens too much in the nonprofit side of things. Do you see an, uh, a benefit if you had that certification, if you went down that road just to be able to flesh out some of this stuff more with people? I would say yes and no. So I'm going to start with no. Okay. And the reason why is because ultimately, if the benefit of it is going to be dependent upon your niche, if we're going after the, if we're talking about the niche that we just talked about, which is recently divorced women who are looking at needing to get a new house, et cetera, et cetera, then that is not going to be super helpful. No one hires a lawyer based on that lawyer having a therapy designation as well, right? They hire a lawyer for the lawyer. They're going to hire you for helping them figure out their finances for getting that new house, right? The fact that you're a broker, that licensing is going to be more valuable. The fact that you're the director of this nonprofit that helps low-income people accomplish this, that's going to be more powerful, right? These other things are going to be much more compelling, right? So that's the no side of it. Mm -hmm. Yes, side of it has nothing to do with getting the certification. It has to do with the education associated with it. Mm 
And there is an enormous amount of value in getting education on therapy of how to be a good therapist, right? And I don't mean becoming licensed. I mean, how do you sit and be present with someone? How do you um, pay attention to the, to the cues that they need to pause on talking about finances and allow for some emotional venting, right? Those types of skill, that, that education is going to be very powerful. And especially with all niches, but especially with this one, because they're going through a big emotional time in their life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I think there's a lot of value in the education that. And you don't have to get the certification to get that education, but the education that pursuing that certification would provide. Um, but as far as the certification goes, I think your background is going to be much more compelling to the niche, to that particular group of people uh, than the financial therapy certification. would. That's helpful. Thank you. And I'm not saying that it's a bad certification. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just love to learn. And that, and that, but, but I like to be on top of things too. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, homework. All right. Homework. Yep. It's always homework. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, I want you to, um, I want you to start exploring and start building what would my business look like if this was the group that I was going after, okay? Um, Go back and look at the phase one homework assignments and kind of just fill in the key things there. Don't worry about filling everything in, just fill in the things that, that are obvious so you can start to flesh out what the business looks like, okay? Okay. And then your last homework assignment is come to an upcoming office hour in launch so that we can talk about this again. Oh, the pressure. (laughs) (laughs) I have to get on it. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll see you soon, Jackie. Hey, thanks for your help. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.